Hello fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello there, it's Mary Stone. Welcome you once again to the screen porch. It's another cold day. Actually, it's warming up rather nicely because the sky is so blue and the temperatures have settled into 45 from a 32 degree start. My oh my, it's been a little off kilter here as we had some snow yesterday, but it melted quickly and the daffodils are still in their sunny glory. What fun to hear back from some of you after last week's chat about Pussy Willows bringing new beginnings. It seems others have the dilemma of deer nibbling their Pussy Willows too. But I am happy to report that there are leaves emerging from some of the shoots coming from the stump, which was once my beloved willow. So there is hope. There is hope. Perhaps the deer will be kind and leave it alone this spring. Thank you, dear. So anyway, this week's story is inspired by a surprise hedgerow that taught me that sometimes unnatural shapes fill a positive role in the garden. It turned into a column topic titled, For Scythia Hedge at the Home for Hospice, and it starts like this. Hello, fellow readers and listeners. I'm a fan of allowing plants and people to grow to what they are meant to be, not mold them into something they are not, or prune them into unnatural shapes. Although formal gardens often call for pruned hedges or topiaries and such, and so there are exceptions. Framing the lawn overlooking the expansive farmland views beyond the Karen Ann Quinlan Home for Hospice in Freedon, New Jersey, is a hedgerow of what I thought was boxwood. But it turns out the clipped hedge is now bursting in yellow, offering a sunny foreground to the field dotted with horses in the view from the rooms. I'm delighted to share that I am back to visiting and providing music at the Home for Hospice with my buddy Ken Roberts. After a long hiatus due to COVID protocols, it feels so good to be back. So thank you, thank you, universe, for allowing that to happen. Forsythia is one of the first shrubs to bloom, announcing spring has arrived. It's the first time I've admired a clipped hedge of Forsythia, as I prefer their natural weeping fountain form. I love the sunny welcome to the bland, dormant landscape, but they can turn into unwieldy shrubs after the early yellow wake-up call, inspiring folks to prune them into unnatural shapes. Especially if they grow above six feet, people tend to prune the lower parts, creating a shrub with a funky haircut. How do I know this? Because I share life with a stealth pruner who is follically challenged, I may add. <laughs> He's okay with me mentioning that. <laughs> but he created a row of flopping tops with narrow sides. It is so silly, especially noticeable when they bloomed as the sides were flowerless. <laughs> yes, this is true. It was pretty funny looking. It was kind of neat though, I have to confess, but uh, not as nature intended. Forsythia spreads readily, so I never recommend using them close to the house. They are beautiful and practical as screening from neighbors on large properties. And if you wish to encourage them to spread more quickly, the flexible stems weep to the ground and root themselves, calling propagation by layering. In early spring, you can help this process by bending the tip of the branch with the new growth and covering it with soil. Once rooted, 
which may take one or more growing seasons, you can separate it from the mother plant and transplant it elsewhere. I adore making more plants from plants. It's so much fun. And you can share them with your friends even better. I imagine the ground crew at the Karen and Quillen Home for Hospice, with plenty of space to grow, opt to prune the shrubs as a hedge to preserve the magnificent views for the families and patients there. The thing is, Forsythia bloom on year-old wood, meaning this year's new growth will bring next year's flowers. So, unless you prune it right after the flowers fade, you'll miss the golden glory the following year. Obviously, my stealth pruner did not follow that protocol. My poor Kurt. I'm always teasing him. <laughs> he takes it in good stride. The same is true if deer nibbled. Despite the high rating of deer resistance, deer will eat the newer growth, especially in harsh winters when there's a lot of snow cover. And not enough sunlight, improper fertilizing, or harsh frigid winters can die back the flower buds too, causing a year of missed blooms. That's called winter kill, by the way. For Forsythia need about six hours of sunlight to bloom, and too much nitrogen can hinder bud production. So, if you are spreading lawn fertilizers higher in nitrogen, please don't. Adding phosphorus, such as bone meal, could help counteract the nitrogen overload. However, the lack of blooms is most often due to improper pruning. So I wrap up the newspaper's version of the column with a story about Chris, my dear Kurt's brother, who cut Easter brunch short to run home to mow his lawn and spread pre-emergent to prevent annual weeds such as crabgrass. I wonder if he used a popular five-step turf builder program sold at box stores. Okay, I'll admit I was cringing when he described the day's task. Although it is true he only used water to remove the moss from that retaining wall that we spoke about in episode 49 titled Soft Spot for Lichen and Moss. You may wish to jump back to. It really is a funny exchange. And he didn't use chemicals, so I guess I give him credit for that. The active ingredient of the popular five-step turf builder's early spring application is pendometathin, which is highly toxic to freshwater fish, including rainbow trout, and slightly toxic to birds, such as mallard ducks, according to the Science Direct reporting from the Encyclopedia of Toxology, 2014. They write that pendometathin is non-toxic to honeybees, which is a good thing, but rather than chemicals, why not spread organic corn gluten? an environmentally friendly pre-emergent for annual weed control. The time to apply corn gluten is when forsythia is in bloom. Golden glory meets ecologically friendly. See that? Even old dogs, not so old, thank you very much, can learn new tricks. I've learned to adore hedges of golden forsythia, and perhaps more will learn new ways to inhibit undesirables without putting wildlife at risk. Garden dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com. Oh, that was such a fun story to write because, of course, I have a happy heart being back at the home for hospice, and I just adore the views that the groundkeepers kept open to the patients and families there. Observing nature in the field of horses is undoubtedly soothing. It makes me think of my dear old mom in her last years. A kind farmer brought horses and ponies to the nursing home. I cherish the photo of mom in the column titled Emma Stone Preferred Roots. It would be an honor if you'd like to read the story on AskMaryStone.com. So I think we have a bit of time to touch on the right way to prune forsythia. If you prefer to keep their natural shape, still my favorite, I'll post the column link in the show notes if you want to learn more. 
The proper way to prune forsythia to maintain the shrub's graceful shape is to cut out the older branches at the plant's base. As with most flowering woody plants, it's best to prune soon after the bloom cycle. Never use hedge clippers to shear the end of forsythia, as the plant will remain dense with old wood in its core, suffocating new branching and inhibiting bloom. And if your forsythia is way out of control and driving you batty, you can rejuvenate them in early spring by cutting them almost to the ground. Of course, you'll miss the flowering the first year, and it'll take a few years to return to the desired height. I gave Kurt the go-ahead to rejuvenate prune after noticing the bad haircut. <laughs> and this year, they are blooming once again. Another way to rejuvenate prune and not lose a year of sunny yellow and still maintain a hedge height is to remove a third of the oldest branches the first year, cutting them to the ground, then cut another third the following year, and another third the year after that, being sure to cut back only the old wood. Isn't there something therapeutic about cutting out old wood? A lesson we can learn in the garden of our lives, don't you think? Thanks so much for coming by. I always enjoy our time together. And if you've enjoyed it as well, please share the podcast with your friends so more can join our community, learning how nature in our gardens can help heal and grow our lives. Keep your haircuts looking stylish <laughs> on your forsythia and on your head. See you next time. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.